going to read the scripture that we're teaching today. It is from Matthew 5, verse 17 to 20. Teaching about the law. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law, God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God. Yes. Good. Um, we do not have the best luck in my home with appliances. Um, last year we had to buy a new stove. Many of you guys will have heard the story because we had a rat that actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to be honest, open, confessing, no secrets. Um, I promise you we're clean. Like if you've eaten. Um, apparently it's a thing. Like, I can tell you more details if you're interested. I called the insurance company, and they were not at all surprised, but informed me that we did not have the rat coverage. So maybe that's some type of upgrade. I don't know. So that was subtle. But we have bad luck with appliances. Or maybe I'm just bad at choosing appliances that actually work. They may match the other appliances in our kitchen, but is that really the point? Um, this is the story of our dishwasher. I bought it to match the rat stove a few years ago. Um, that's what it's affectionately known as. Um, it's a decent brand and it looks really nice, but it's been an absolute disaster. Disaster from the beginning. Melted parts, wheels that fall off the rack, an upper rack that doesn't actually fully open. You have to reach inside and like squeeze something else for it to end. It's just terrible. Um, and I, I can tell you there are a few things more disappointing than opening the dishwasher you very recently purchased for not a small amount of money that is from a reputable brand, reputable brand that it's run a full cycle only to find your dishes still caked in food remnants and this weird soap scum and the coffee mugs like what the heck is that how did that even get in there that's a whole other conversation don't somehow dirtier than before we tried everything I actually have this in my next point we tried everything I cleaned it out with vinegar. We tried different non-organic dish soap before rinsing. The, we rinsed the dishes beforehand and nothing would solve this problem. After this continued to happen, we called the service guy, Mr. Utopia, shout out Mr. Utopia, who came out and took it all apart and told us that basically the main line in was clogged due to a faulty design. It looks good, but it doesn't work very well was basically what it said. You bought the wrong dishwasher, Tom. He showed us how to take it all apart, and we paid him, and he was on his way. But did you know that Jesus also has something to say about dishwashers? Further on in Matthew's Gospel, he records an interaction between Jesus and the religious leaders of his day. This is what he says. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, 
For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. I don't know about you, but it's so tempting to try and just focus on the exterior of things. But today's text is getting directly at the issue. If you and I are going to be people who live freely in God's kingdom as his royal priests, we need a total renovation of the heart. And this is what is offered to us in the gospel. Jesus gives us a new nature. He is wanting to make us into the type of people who will live and love the Jesus way. People who will live and enter into the kingdom of God fully and completely. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. Inside-out transformation. Righteousness of the heart, not of external self-efforts and solutions. You and I, we have to stop trying to clean up our lives with vinegar or switching out the dish soap. Jesus offers us much more. So the questions I want us to think about, what does it look like for us to live from the inside out? Or put another way, what does it look like to combine faith? Like, yeah, I trust in you, Jesus, with obedience. I'm actually going to do what you ask me to do. And that's always where the rub occurs, right? We're all happy to trust Jesus, or we're really happy to try really hard. But what about the combination of both both of those things? Would you guys pray with me, and then we'll dive in. I'm assuming you said yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are with us this morning. We sense your presence in our midst. And for that, we are so grateful. That is enough, Lord. But you still, you have something for us today in this scripture. And so we just ask that our hearts would be opened, that our eyes would be um, clear, like that we could see clearly what you're up to, God, in our world and in our story here at Anchor Point Church and in each of our stories as individuals, as people who are doing our best to follow you. Um, Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd come and you would illuminate things to us that we've never seen before. Lord, I, I give you these words I've typed out onto this computer and I ask you to multiply them. May they bring clarity and hope and challenge and may they all point to you, Jesus, as the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you that you are holy and worthy, that you are gentle and tender, that you are are beautiful. And so may our eyes be fixed on you this morning. May we watch as you deliver us from all that that tempts us and tries to draw us away. Um, Make us clean inside and out today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, The words that Jess read are pretty strong. Um, they're, They're worth wrestling through together this morning. That last verse that Jess read, verse 20, is quite daunting. Let me read it to you again. I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is daunting, especially for us humans who have a tendency to focus on the surface level issues rather than what's going on underneath And Jesus is wanting to address the source of the issues we face in life, not just the issues themselves. And so often we are quick to focus on the symptom rather than the source. Um, This is a major part of what he has in mind when he's talking about a righteousness that surpasses the religious superstars of the day. Righteousness just means right relationship between God and others. And this is a lot harder than it sounds, at least for me. 
He's saying that our righteousness must go beyond man-made religious respectability. That's what he's saying here. The dishwasher can't just match the rest of the appliances. It has to actually clean the dishes. And this is what he means when he is speaking about the law not being thrown out. There is a way that God has designed his world to work and a set of standards by which his people are to live. We can't do away with that. We are to actually do what God's intended law says to do. And the religious elite of the day talked a lot about the law, but very seldom did it. And we're in Jesus' words, they say and do not. They are actors. They are hypocrites, just like you and I are so often. And so often we as humans, we fall off on either side of the horse, as they say. We allow the pendulum to swing us from one side to the other. In this case, it would be easy to say, yeah, the law is fulfilled in Jesus, so we don't have to do what it says anymore. He did it for us. We can just kind of do whatever we want, hold on until the end, and then we'll be in heaven forever, sitting on a cloud, eating cream cheese. You saw, you're ready for that, Trish? Cream cheese? Jesus is dairy-free, so let's get ready for that. Or we have to keep it all, and we try so hard, and we go through the motions just to appear holy. But what we see so often in the scriptures is Jesus is calling us to this radical middle. One side of the ditch could be faith that we trust in the finished work of the cross and we can just kind of go on living however we want to live. And this is good and right that we trust in the finished work of the cross, but it's not the whole picture of a life of the disciple. That is one side of the coin. The other side of the coin would be that we are actually going to do what Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount. Faith and obedience are meant to go together. So a simple statement here. A disciple has complete trust in Jesus and allows that to lead to living a life of radical obedience. A disciple has complete trust in Jesus and allows that to lead to living a life of radical obedience. There's a trend over the last few years to basically throw out the Old Testament. We have Jesus now, so we don't need anything. That's just confusing. And yeah, absolutely. I mean... We read through Leviticus, guys. What is going on? But we see that G what we see as we read the scriptures is that Jesus saw God's law as the true law. Jesus would have grown up studying the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, as we would call it, and it mattered to him. He valued it. He memorized it. He taught from it. And to paraphrase Dallas Willard, keeping the law is not the source of rightness in God's kingdom, but it is the course of rightness. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it down to the tiniest detail. One way to think about it is like this. Have any of you, any of you guys ever tried to learn a musical instrument? Yeah. Remember learning scales? Terrible. Right, Katie? Yes, terrible. So over and over and over the same thing. And what you're doing is you're working at developing a new set of instincts to the point that it becomes intuitive. When you begin to play music, are you, when you begin to move away from scales, does that mean that you are contradicting them? Like you're just, you're done with the scales? No, of course not. You have fulfilled the purpose of playing your scales when you play a piece of music, right? And much like scales are useful to a musician, the law is to a follower of Jesus. All of this is getting us somewhere. The ability to play a song, if you will. Willard again. From the viewpoint of the kingdom of the heavens or from God's perspective, Jesus points out those who do the commandments and teach them are the greatest among human beings. Whereas those who break the least of the genuine commandments of God and teach others to do the same are the worst human beings. The law of God marks the movements of God's kingdom, of his own actions and how that kingdom works. 
When we keep the law, we step into his ways and drink in his power. Jesus shows us, way, shows us those ways even more fully and leads us into them. If you love me, he said, do what I have said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you an additional strengthener who will never leave you. If you love me, do what I have said. How does one keep the law? First of all, not just by trying to keep the law. Have you guys ever heard that thought thing about like, don't think about a pink elephant and all you can think about is a pink elephant. It's the same idea. It's not just about trying to keep the law. This is about something much deeper than that. It's about inside out transformation. It's about something much bigger. It's about becoming the type of person for whom keeping the law becomes natural. Or as Klaus has said many times, and given that illustration, an apple tree does not have to try and bear apples. It just does. And this is what Jesus is after with us as his disciples. He wants to change us and transform us from the inside out. Here's where the Pharisees and the scribes got it wrong. They focused on the actions, not the source. The dishwasher needs to not just look nice in the kitchen, it needs to actually clean the dishes. Dallas Willard. Actions do not emerge from nothing. They faithfully reveal what is in the heart, and we can know what is in the heart that they de- sorry, and we can know what is in the heart that they depend upon. Indeed, everyone does know. That is a part of what it means to be a mentally competent human being. The heart is not a mystery at the level of ordinary human interactions. We discern one another quite well. It is the inner life of the soul that we must aim to transform, and then behavior will naturally and easily flow, but not the reverse. How often do we go about it backwards? I try to change the external and then hope that that will inch its way towards the middle of myself. But Jesus knows this about us, and he, uh, and all the way back in the Old Testament, God is promising something of a solution to our issue. Jesus and the Father and the Spirit know the human condition. And so we read, I'm going to read two prophetic words from uh, the prophet, one from the prophet Ezekiel and one from the prophet Jeremiah. Ezekiel 36 says this, this is God speaking to the nation of Israel. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. Listen here. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Jeremiah 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. The covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. Though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with them, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. This means that God is going to do something different with the law through Jesus. He's going to put the law that was primarily external before internally into us, into our hearts and into our minds. He's going to write it on our hearts. It's not that he's going to abolish the law, but it's going to be different moving forward in Jesus. 
God is doing something to embed His will and His heart inside of His people. God's people know what to do all of a sudden because there's this close relationship they have with God. It's not that they have to go to the temple to try to figure out what to do. It's, it's like the Spirit is indwelling you, the holy, te- the holy temple of God, and allowing you to learn from Him in this closeness of relationship what it looks like to obey the law. This speaks of relationship and not religious duty. This speaks of communion and not ceremony. This is the new covenant. And this also gets at what we've been talking about over the last few years, taking our discipleship to Jesus more seriously. Being with Jesus means knowing and being known by the Father and His family, becoming like Jesus, learning from Jesus how to be a human in God's kingdom, and doing what Jesus did, partnering with the Spirit in God's mission of reuniting heaven and earth. New habits, new goals, new focus. All of these are the scales we're learning so that we can play the music. What Jesus is doing is he's picking up these promises from Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And we will see this in greater detail as we continue on through the Gospel of Matthew. But Jesus, throughout the Gospel, scandalizes the religious leaders as the Son of God enacts the forgiveness of God in the most remarkable ways. Think about it for a bit. Instead of waiting for the tax collectors or sex workers, the least of these, the beautiful losers, to come to the temple and perform religious ceremonies to be cleansed from their sins, Jesus repeatedly goes out and finds them and throws what Tim Mackey calls forgiveness parties. Not only does he offer forgiveness, but he does so in a way that expresses dignity and love to those beautiful losers the religious elite so frequently cast aside. Jesus moves towards us. I want you to think about the times in your own life where you've blown it in a relationship. And maybe that's never happened to you. And I'll talk to you about that afterwards. Yeah. But just think, think of a time where you've blown it. Where you've hurt someone you care about, that you love, that loves you. And that painful process of, of owning what you did, knowing what you did was wrong, asking for forgiveness... When you do that, something changes in that relationship. That person, when, they're, when you see them moving towards you and not away from you, and that person chooses to not hold what you've done against you, but to actually, over time, walk things through with you, things change in that relationship at a deep level. And I don't know about you, when, when that's happened with me, when I've been forgiven, it's natural to want to do what is right to do right by that person moving forward. And this is what we see in Jesus, that, that God moves towards us in our sin and in our brokenness, in the ways that we have forsaken Him and chosen our own way over His way, ways that we've completely ignored Him or kept walls up between us where He wants to be close and we're like, no, we're good. God moves towards us and He forgives us. He does not give up on the relationship. And so for us in the room who have received grace and forgiveness in Jesus, for those whose sins have been forgiven, obedience can become less of a duty and more of a delight. Or as Jesus says, those who have been forgiven much, love much. And what we see and what we're going to see in the remainder of the Sermon on the Mount is that these forgiven ones, us, people that in the crowds there, are going to learn from the greatest human being of all time, 
what it means to be a truly good person. What does it mean to obey the law? What does it mean to have righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees? So over the remainder of chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, he's going to be teaching his disciples what it looks like to obey the law from the inside out. And we're going to be thinking through what are the marks of the inner character of a disciple of Jesus going to look like? And this is what we're going to be doing over the next six weeks. And good news, guys, we've got some other people doing some teaching. Jillian, Jess, and Scott are going to be sharing over the next six weeks. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. But all of what we're going to be looking at um, is going to be wrapping around this one Greek word. Who wants to learn how to pronounce a Greek word? From someone who doesn't speak Greek. Um, okay, this word is up on the screen, I think. Dikaiasune. Dikaiasune. Anyone else want to repeat it? Dikaiasune, yes. This is the definition. In a broad sense, a state of one who is as they ought to be. I'm going to read that again. The state of one who is as they ought to be. Think about that. God created us in his image. He is on a mission to restore that image that was broken in us through sin and rebellion. And this is the process and journey of discipleship, us becoming whole again in Jesus. He's bringing us back to a state of, of being as we ought to be. Uh, the rest of the definition, the doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state of being approved of by God, integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking and feeling and acting. Um, Dallas Willard puts it this way, this is a Greek word whose meaning is paraphrased as something like, what that it is about a person that makes him or her right or good or true inner goodness. So as an overview, Jesus is going to give us six different situations where he will say, you have heard it said, fill in the blank, but I say to you, fill in the blank. So each time he is adding something, he is fulfilling the law's actual intent. Each command is a pointer to the real issue going on inside the human heart. Situation one, Irritation with one's associates. Old law, no murder, new covenant. There's this intense desire to be of help, no anger or contempt. Jillian's going to be talking more about that next week. Situation two, sexual attraction. The old law, don't have intercourse. The new law, do not even cultivate lust. Are you guys giggling about intercourse? Just the way you said it, don't have intercourse. Okay, sorry. Pardon? Okay, sorry. Do you know what intercourse is? No, I'm just kidding. I, I'll be doing that one, so I will learn how to say it better between now and then, Josh. Situation three, unhappiness with marriage partner. If you divorce, don't give a pink slip, is the old way. The new way is no divorce, as in practice. Situation four, wanting someone to believe something. Uh, the old way is just to keep vows or oaths made to convince them. And the new way is only say how things are or are not do not manipulate with your words. Jess will be doing that one. Situation five, being personally injured. The old way is to inflict exactly the same injury on their offender. We may want to have some of the kids in for that week. <laughs> Don't harm but help. The one who has damaged you is the new way. And then finally, situation six, which Scott will be teaching, is about having an enemy. The old way is to hate your enemy. The new way in Jesus is to love and bless your enemy as the Heavenly Father does. So, that's the goods. Those are real things, guys. The real nitty-gritty details of how our lives here on this planet Earth work. This is getting up and underneath the exterior and down deep into our hearts in the sources of the issues that we experience and perpetuate ourselves. 
Back to the dishwasher picture, he's taking the dishwasher apart. The truth is that Jesus is the only human being who has ever lived a truly righteous human life. Okay, so let that settle in. He is the God-man who came and lived a life we could never live on our behalf so that we could become who he made us to be. What we learn continually and see and has been highlighted this morning already, Jesus is moving towards us in grace with forgiveness and mercy. Paul in Romans says this, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. In short, he has shared his righteousness with us, his state of being as he ought to be with you and I. He has written his law on our hearts and is moving towards us to make us whole. God moved towards us in Christ as he took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood, as he walked amongst us as one of us, experiencing the full human condition. He was tempted yet without sin. He experienced the brokenness brought about by sin in this world. He remained faithful where we were faithless. He obeyed where we disobeyed. He stayed in communion where we hid. God offers us a new heart, one that delights to obey, that trusts Jesus completely. May we use our new hearts well. And the with God life lived out over a lifetime is an ongoing getting to know our new hearts and allowing them to be rewired in such a way that our new instincts will bend towards diakasune to the point where to love God and to love neighbor is actually intuitive. Or as Willard puts it, a time will come in human history when human beings will follow the Ten Commandments and so on as regularly as they now fall to the ground when they slip off a roof. As we continue on over the next few weeks, I want to prepare you that Jesus is looking to expose you, to reveal to you the ways that you've been washing the outside of the cup, to reveal what's really going on inside of you, us. Not, I'm not saying you, I'm saying we together. So if we allow him, he's going to take the dishwasher apart and get at it. So that means that not a single one of us in this space is living a diakasune way, but Jesus knows this and wants to empower us and show us how to. Just like the dishwasher guy, Mr. Utopia, showed me how to fix the broken dishwasher. That being said, at the end of each gathering here and in our community groups, we want to make space for prayer ministry. We want to learn how to repent and we want to learn how to receive forgiveness. We want to learn how to move towards other people, just like God is moving towards us. And we want to be able to say with hope that God is not finished with us, that he wants to prune and dig up so that we can bear much fruit. You hear the themes this morning, guys. When there are things that come up and need to be dealt with, I want to challenge you to share that with someone you trust. As as we're going through this, I want you to call up a friend and ask them to go out for coffee and share what God is showing you as you are confronted by these teachings. Tell your community group. The truth is Jesus' forgiveness extends to every possible situation. There is nothing you have done, nothing you are doing, or nothing you will do that is beyond his grace. He sees it all, and he's, he's, he's ready to, to let you learn how to ask for help when it's needed. Okay? A few things, and then I will be... Actually, I think I'll just close there. Couple things. I want us just to think about this. There's there's a prayer, like the borrowed prayer we're going to be sharing this week. Um, 
I'll come back to that. Give me a second here. Trembled. Okay, in closing, this is what I want us to do, guys. I want to ask you over the next couple weeks, I pray this, this is always the case, but I want to challenge us together to pray for this community of people. I want to ask you to pray for our Anchor Point family, that we would engage with God's Spirit as He brings conviction so that we could bear much fruit for His honor and glory. And then the other thing, I want to challenge you. Can you be open to whatever God wants to do in and through you over this next chunk of time? I would like us to think about this um, as we respond with communion and worship. Can I ask you to take some type of step towards Jesus today? As we've heard repeatedly this morning, Jesus is moving towards you and I, but what would it look like for you in your own way to step towards Jesus today? And I don't know, maybe as we're worshiping, like, or maybe even now, like maybe there's this, I want to just, I don't normally do this and I feel silly even doing this. If you're willing and wanting God to meet with you, if you want to take a step towards Jesus today, would you just stand? And I'm just going to pray for us. And then we're going to move into a time of communion and worship. But if you're, you're like, Jesus, I want to meet with you. I want to move towards you. I need your help. Any of those things. Sometimes just doing something physically to mark what's going on us inside spiritually is good. No judgment if you don't want to stand up. That's fine too. Oh, everyone's standing up. Great. But let's just do what we've been doing so regularly. Let's open up our hands, guys, to receive from God's Spirit this morning. Someone gave us this word this week, this scripture, um, for our community that I want to just read over you guys. Um, it's, it's actually from Leviticus. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season. And the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest, and the grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing. And you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove your harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you and will confirm my covenant with you. Lord, we want to grab a hold of that word this morning. Lord, teach us how to walk in your statutes and observe your commandments from a place of sincerity, Lord, from the inside out. We thank you for the new hearts that you've given us in Jesus and we pray that we would use them well. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we're just dressing up the outside of the cup and would you teach us and would you lead us and will we yield to your good hand and your good work in our lives, Lord? We together want to see your kingdom come, Lord. We want to see you make us whole so that we can go and be the salt of the earth and the light of the earth. Lord, there are so many people in our community that don't know you. There's so many people who have yet to experience grace and forgiveness and mercy and Lord, give us boldness as we have experienced it ourselves to proclaim this is who our God is. He's, he's so good. And so, Lord, for us who followed you for, for so long, would you remind us of what you've, you've saved us from? And that you saved us for a purpose. It's not just so that we get to heaven when we die. It's so that 
we can reflect back to the other people around us who you are, what you're like, that you are a God who redeems and restores and rebuilds. And so, Lord, we're asking for um, a divine empowerment to say yes to you. And whatever that looks like, Lord, over the coming weeks, Lord, there's going to be things that are exposed in us, and would we respond and move towards you as you move towards us? Lord, we want to live right. We don't want to just do the right things on a Sunday morning and, and check off the boxes of our order of service. We want to live right, Lord. Yes. We want that to spill out and over into every aspect of our lives. And so in closing, I just want to pray this line from um, a book of prayer. Father, help us to live our lives right, not just not wrong. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.